0: In this episode of History Unloaded It's been several weeks But we're actually recording this Like a few days after our last podcast But we're still fired up about it We mentioned in our Shahat takes That Smith and Wesson May have, if they were smart enough Ceased Winchester to exist
1: Before it existed
0: Before it existed So,
1: I posted about this
0: on my social media and people are still messaging me about it and they're like, hear me out and like adding stuff to it. So like, I feel like Danny and I have more to unpack with this, with this conspiracy theory.
1: It was also a real shocker of how many people did listen to the podcast because you teased it on this on social media and then everybody was DMing.
0: I know. Well, I was like, I should do a little recording about this because I'm excited. And then I was like, I haven't combed my hair and I don't have makeup on. I have to go outside for superior lighting.
1: <laughs> Better lighting.
0: If I'm ever like president of the country or the world someday, like people are going to be like, she should probably have had a professional photographer and videographer. <laughs> I think by
1: that point, you'll be able to have, like, I, I imagine most of the country would be okay with you spending some. White House funds on professional photography,
0: although nowadays everything's so like off the cuff that maybe in like fifteen years,
1: I this is completely unrelated to the podcast. But I did was you sent me this. It was like a reel about like Gen Z taking photographs, and they like them to be kind of blurry, like oh. the photographs of our youth.
0: No, no, no. We like them to be blurry. That was, yeah, it was a, it was a real. I was really thing.
1: confused by that real, like an old man. Like, yeah, super. it was
0: a real about how apparently Gen Z shames millennials because we like portrait mode on our phone. Danny, you don't know what portrait mode is because you don't have an know. iPhone, right? That's why. You I know no, you, I have an
1: Android. You have an iPhone.
0: I, so that's why you don't even know. You don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, But yeah, basically that I don't know. But there's also reels I sent you about how apparently preservatives have kept us young.
1: I'm going with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. But anyways, let's get back to it.
1: To Smith & Wesson. So,
0: here we go. So this was the premise um, of this mental exercise, which was that Smith & Wesson patented the Lever Action uh, as a pistol in 1854 by 1857 colt's patent expired and so smith and wesson like many decided to jump into the revolver market and so smith and wesson had two real big things other than the lever action at that around that same time which was the metallic cartridge a rimfire cartridge and then also there uh was it a tip up back then because there's tip up mm. and then there's I think it was a tip-up.
1: Sure, we'll call it uh, a tip-up. But a,
0: bree- a breech-loading revolver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, like, slight variations on the name. and uh, But uh, a breech-loading What are loading we, revolver.
1: firearms historians? Come on.
0: <laughs> right. And so Danny and I were messaging afterwards, too, and I was like, you know, we all say, like, you know, they've patented the lever action, but they were more jazzed about the revolver because Colt's patent was going to expire. But, like, is that true? I
1: don't know. I mean, it's just, I think it always seems like that because it's, like, they have the lever action and it's less than a year or maybe a year when they're like dumping any involvement in that. But like it gets turned into the volcanic company and they're out pretty quickly from the lever action. Like they drop that like real fast. It's hot. Yes. Well,
0: and maybe it's because they, like they couldn't make their metallic cartridge work and they were like, the volcanic cartridge is a bust. So, you know, it's not worth our time. Oh, the more realistic option is that Oliver Winchester was hella rich and was like, I'll buy you out of this. And you know, Twitter was like, Okay, Elon Musk.
1: 1850s Twitter, what was that?
0: (laughs) I mean that honestly that could have been it. I mean they were like, Okay, this feels like a like a dud. And we have this better opportunity. And here's this rich shirt manufacturer who doesn't know bonk about guns.
1: (laughs) He doesn't know why this is a bad idea. We'll offload it on him.
0: We'll offload it on him. You know, and it's kind of funny if you think about it. Because, like, you hear about, like, Colton Winchester kind of fighting, like, a couple of decades later. But, like, I don't... Smith & Wesson and Winchester are, like, good.
1: Well, there was a loss. There was some kind of court case that involved them. But they, like... I think they settled. There's some documents in the McCracken about it. Like there's letters back and forth of like, well, this is technically ours and we could sue you if we really wanted to. And
0: Oh wait, Smith and Wesson about the lever action. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like they, after, after the Henry got big, they came back around. There was, there sellers was some,
0: remorse.
1: They, yes. There is some seller's remorse. I think because we have letters from Smith and Wesson to Winchester in the archive that are a little, I don't know. It's never like the full blown, like i don't know i'm trying to think of like it's not like the bannerman lawsuit levels of animosity but it is some like hey we actually think we still own part of this better give us some of that lever action money like it's definitely it's definitely there to a degree
0: that's that's kind of cool i didn't know that Um, i wonder i actually don't know did like winchester buy the patent so this, mean, sto- I I think is the story as best as we can that.
1: anybody can figure because there's not a lot of surviving documentation from the Winchester side of things from this time period. But yes, that is Smith and Wesson invented, patented, whatever, and then sell the patent and the rights to the Volcanic or what would become the Volcanic to the lever action to the Volcanic Company. Winchester is an investor in Volcanic, so it's like Volcanic, the company and the shareholders there buy that from Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Then because of the problem, eventually. Winchester is like last man standing at volcanic and then turns it into New Haven.
0: Smith and Watson should have royaltied that up like they did with Roland White.
1: They really should have. Maybe that maybe they had saw, like, man, our Roland White deal really worked out. Let's try and play that on Winchester.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) After the war, though, because it didn't work out so well for Roland White when he was suing suing everyone in wartime. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if Smith and Wesson had held on to their patent and, and, cause I feel like the crucial and in this is that they were able to make a metallic cartridge work like, like Henry did. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because I don't think, you know, the lever, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if the lever action ended up being successful with Smith and Wesson or not, that's a different conspiracy for a different day. But so Oliver Winchester is a shirt manufacturer.
1: I feel like the biggest, the first biggest loser in, in this alternate timeline that we're I think we should just go step by step and like, what changes in the timeline here? Agreed. I think the first one is Benjamin Tyler Henry, because Winchester, let's say he doesn't get involved. He could still potentially get involved if Smith and Wesson keep the lever action and the rimfire ammo patent. If they combine that and decide to make that a gun, he's still out there looking to invest and throw his money around, or he just stays into shirts and... We all know him for his shirt collar today and not his guns. Like, he he does fine, I think. Like Walter
0: the, Hunt in his safety pin?
1: Right. I think Winchester is still a pretty wealthy guy and business. Like, whatever happens, he's probably fine. Henry just goes back into, like, complete obscurity as, like, the mechanic at, like, Springfield Armory or something like that. I feel like I, it's unclear where Henry like jumps into the picture and like how he became known to everybody. There's a couple different versions of the story if you read like the early Winchester histories, but suffice to say he was not like he wasn't of means to be an investor, and he wasn't a well-known mechanic or engineer until he pairs Smith and Wesson's toggle link with Smith and Wesson's rimfire ammo. Um, to make the Henry, um, and that's what he's best known for. And then he, because he doesn't get a lot of money, um, you know, he and Winchester have their spat at the end of the Civil War. He goes back into obscurity. So, like, I think he just returns to being a engineer working at. Maybe he invents a repeater for the U.S. Army. I don't know.
0: Uh, I, well, yeah, because maybe, maybe in his more humbled state, he doesn't get uppity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he doesn't, you are fully on Team Winchester in that, in, that, in that dispute.
0: I'm just trying to get a sponsor. I'm
1: just trying to get a sponsor. So,
0: so he, okay, so Benjamin Tyler Henry never- I feel like he
1: loses out pretty big in this.
0: Yeah, he he doesn't exist.
1: He he just disappears.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's the moral of that reserve. Everyone just disappears. Um, so, so you've got, well, do you think Smith & Wesson would have pushed so hard for their revolver?
1: I mean, I think so. I mean, it's clear that they, wa- I think maybe they would have just tried to do both. Like, I mean, in this alternate timeline where we're deciding what people 160 years ago were would thinking have done, and what they have right? to do. This very presentist take on this.
0: Ooh.
1: I think in that case, yeah, I think they probably would try to do both. I mean, it seems logical. They clearly wanted to compete in the handgun world. And if we're imposing the rifle back on them, I don't think they give up the handgun.
0: Okay, cool. So Smith and Wesson's still competing with Colt, um, who's still alive.
1: You know what gun does? You know it's another winner out of this story, is Andrew Burgess, and the Burg- Colt Burgess rifle that comes to market then. But no
0: But would he have?
1: Or or is it a big is a gentleman's agreement between Smith and Wesson and their lever action and. Colt and their lever action.
0: Yeah, so for for you know, what, let's explain that for a hot minute. Um, we mentioned William Mason, um, who was one of the um, designers of the Colt Model 1873, um, and Mason ends up uh, at Winchester and to develop. He does a bunch of stuff, but you know, initially the like to develop a revolver for Winch for Winchester that looks eerily <laughs> similar. Do the cold single s- action. Uh, was it? It's but fine. it was a double action, wasn't it?
1: Oh man, I like you're like, you're like I gotta go look at the picture. This.
0: Yeah, I, sh- I gotta sure go look at see single where single that action. trigger placement is. Um, but it looks you know, it looks like a, it looks like a it's cult a
1: cold single, single action.
0: action. So, like, like Winchester's sneaky in this respect because they're like, What's up, William Mason? No, Charles then- Brinkoff, though. Screw you, Charles Brinkoff. We don't want <laughs> you. <laughs> he was the other. Designer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Designer. um it's so, a very
1: specific joke
0: <laughs> yeah that was that was a total nerd joke so Mason's over at Winchester he creates a revolver and you know this is is this one in response to the Burgess or is Burgess a response to the Colt or do they or the the Winchester revolver
1: Mason's gun is in my opinion a response to, the Colt lever gun comes first and
0: yeah because that's 83 isn't it
1: yeah, I mean they're really they're close together. I think Winchester had wind of the of the Burgess before it was actually being made. I mean, they're they're all so close, like they're physically not that far close apart.
0: together. And they're you physically know the close together, bill. like
1: people are moving around these plants all the time. They certainly had to have known that it was about it to enter production. Um, but yeah, I think technically speaking, the Mason revolver is after the cold Burgess.
0: Yeah. Um so so yeah, so there's this like fight where Colt's gonna make lever actions and Winchester's gonna make revolvers. And Winchester does make a weird revolver before that.
1: Yeah, they uh, made one before that, that, that a lot for a long time was sort of conflated altogether with Mason's gun, but they're two distinct. Oh yeah, because
0: one of the swing out cylinder, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's actually the the first revolver better, better than Mason's guns. They're they're certainly more interesting design-wise.
0: So you mentioned so basically that Colt and Winchester make a gentleman's agreement to stay out of each other's you know sandboxes. But I just uh, <laughs> who, cares? <laughs> who cares? But I just realized because you mentioned like maybe Smith and Wesson and Colt would have had that gentleman's agreement. But I think you're right because Smith and Wesson took Roland White or from Colt,
1: so. Or I mean,
0: I- would make so, Let me finish my thought, Danny. And fine, like you, fine, fine. You build on it. Um, and then, but so it would be conceivable that they would take William Mason too.
1: It would. I think, actually, I think gentleman's agreement doesn't happen, definitely doesn't happen. And here's my prediction because there was very little to cause animosity between Colt and Winchester prior to the revolver and lever action coming out at the same time. And they were both established companies that both could recognized the other could do a you know, had a lot of weight to throw around. And so it just made a lot of sense to back off and say, you know what, we can still make a lot of money without getting into this and that it's not worth a headache. And there's no prior like headbutting to cause like the animosity that would say, you know what, this could cost us money, but we're doing it anyways, because screw those guys. Whereas Colton, and Smith and Wesson have been, by the time the Burgess comes around, they've been competing for a couple of decades. So there would be more of, I think there would be more friction and people don't tend to use more friction as an excuse to like, well, all right, let's calm down and and take a step back. Like they're just going to butt heads and be like, you know what? Screw you. We're making a lever gun. Screw you. We're stealing your revolver guy. Like.
0: And sue me. Yeah. I've. Right. I- be so like, then there's a
1: Smith, I think in this timeline, I'm predicting a Smith and Wesson single action clone coming out in the 1880s.
0: Well, but the only thing about that is that I would argue the Smith and Wesson is superior to the Colt. Um I mean, and... what isn't
1: superior to the single action
0: clone? <laughs> Even today. Nope, sorry, Colt. <laughs> sorry. We know you're doing your we know you you're doing your best. Um uh, <laughs> Um. So anyways I I just love the train of thought Okay, great, I got it So I'm back So like the Smith & Wesson By the time of the You know, the, the Single action army Cold single action army I think there is is ultimately superior In terms of loading processes So like I feel like partially When you see Cold Get a board through cylinder You're kind of like <laughs> Okay, cool I'm glad you, you know came about to find a design that, you know, was implemented decades ago, but theirs was kind of crappy, right? Like, it was just like this tiny loading gate and you still had to like, you know, load one at a time and like, it was, it seemed slow. So like, it didn't seem like, it It felt like Colt was like, we're here now, but like, it's still not great. So like, I I feel like if Smith and Wesson made a single action clone at that point, it would just be, purely to be petty because right. theirs was superior right. To, yeah. Like- they they
1: don't really yeah. need Mason to make a competitor. They had a competitor already. And actually the funny thing about this all this is is that um Smith and Wesson probably keeps the swing out cylinder design and something like the Winchester revolver gets made because Winchester to make their swing out cylinder design hired the guys that made the number three. So they stole those uh wood and wells came over from Smith and Wesson to Winchester for that.
0: Out- what about Wetmore? <laughs>
1: Wetmore. Wetmore. I couldn't. I was trying to like uh I was like I started saying it and I wanted to say the names. I'm like, crap, I don't where where we are don't they? Where know
0: their I... first names. They're not important. But,
1: yeah, I'm not trying first names.
0: Woodwells and Wetmore. Those are Wood the revolver. those are also associated with Winchester's revolvers. May, at so, that point,
1: Smith and Wesson also probably hires Borchart too. So, you know.
0: Well, so I was gonna go into, you know, then to Smith and Wesson, really pioneer semi-autos, but I think we're missing an elephant in the room. Which is Browning. What happens to Browning? Because let's be honest, I mean, so so for background, you know, John Moses Browning is a part of like his dad's a designer and so he's making guns. Um uh, he's making repeating guns. He's pretty impressive. And so then when he dies, um john moses ed and matthew and there's two others whose names i i don't remember because they're not important i guess uh there were two other brownings that were all running i know there were two, you looked like you were not convinced but there were two others this is nobody ever talked about them um i i feel like maybe they Those were like five
1: the,
0: there were five of them i mean I, but i don't think they were doing anything but uh they were probably just like you know the ones that just go on vacation <laughs> um but anyway so there was a bunch of um there were oh there were more than that though in siblings like let's be real there were
1: we're just talking about five brothers somehow involved in the gun making
0: um in the in the
1: shop in the shop okay
0: so maybe they were selling selling roller skates but um and fishing equipment but anyways so they're just like in browning's just in obscurity like in utah you know running his dad's shop and thomas bennett hears about him and you know this whole thing goes. And Thomas Bennett is, uh, you know, ends up running Winchester. He's the son-in-law to Oliver Winchester. And we've talked about this before. I think the most important and pivotal person in Winchester history, <laughs> I can't overstate that, but you know, like Bennett was a visionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a visionary and, you know, I don't remember, I don't recall how he finds Browning, but like, do you really think Smith and Wesson, uh, like also, when do you, what do they die? I don't even, I don't even know.
1: That's a really good question. I do not know. Not <laughs> off the top of my head for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, not off the top of my head. But like, is there someone who's a visionary right. at Smith & Wesson that's like, I hear about this dude. Because too, at this point, Smith & Wesson is a, is, is a handgun company. Right. And Browning's made a single shot rifle. Right. You know, which like.
1: Well, in this yeah. timeline, they're also a rifle company. What? Smith & Wesson.
0: Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Um well, made up no, the, I'm talking the, about like when Bennett discovered.
1: Yeah, yeah, Browning. yeah. When Bennett discovered Browning,
0: they were very. That story
1: went down. Smith and Wesson was not interested in rifles.
0: Yeah, so historically in that interested? time frame. So would Browning? Oh my gosh, did we? Did we? Did, did we see Browning to exist?
1: Well, that's a good question. Does he just stay as a you know kind of local gunsmith making single shots? as was very trendy in the late 1800s, he could make a good career off of that, like, selling those guns. He might have, like, a quirky design or two, and then he just becomes, like, an obscure patent holder, like, that now we look back and say, oh, there's this random guy in, like, Ogden, Utah that has a patent for what would be a semi-auto, but nobody ever picked it up.
0: Well, and he does get a relationship with Colt, obviously. So Yeah, but that was
1: only after he got famous with Winchester.
0: That's Yeah, that's what I was gonna... That was what I was gonna say, because, I mean back you know it doesn't matter how brilliant somebody is if you don't know who they you know if 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 no one ever knows to even look out there because let's be real all of the major stuff going on is happening in the connecticut river valley and he's out in utah on some mormon right. plantation well um, yeah
1: just like so all I the gotta
0: get in so much trouble for that <laughs> i was trying
1: to move past it um <laughs> Well, yeah, and and because think about what's popular right then, you know, so he comes onto the scene in the 1870s by the 1880s, like shoots and rifles are hugely popular. That's its own genre. And people like people, there were a lot of rifle makers in that decade that dedicated their whole career to just building single shot rifles and were very good at it and made a very good living doing that. You know, um, he could have been one of those guys just as easily as inventing, you know, 100 different firearms patents.
0: So really, you know, at that point, Browning's legacy is left up to Matthew. Right. Because Matthew was That's the, scary. So <laughs> the business bulldog. So like the question would be, would Matthew have, you know, pushed and pushed when he had gone back to Connecticut area and would he Connecticut area? Because I know everyone was spread out. But, um, you know, would he have gone back there and like really tried to, you know, pimp out his... <laughs> it's fine brother um you know how how much of matthew's marketing you know would have impacted their legacy or does Um, he
1: find a or does matthew find a company that you know does he do a little publicity and it's just a little bit later down the road
0: yeah so So then if browning is just off doing target guns um then Then the u.s
1: army adopts the luger in 1901 whenever.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, now we move to, you know, who really, you know, is behind machine guns. And, and granted, he wasn't the, like, Browning wasn't the first right. machine guns and semi-autos. So you do still have Borchardt, um, you know, you've got Bergman, you've got... Where do people Hansen. like T.C.
1: Johnson go to work for?
0: I don't know. I so was still back have- on...
1: So I'm just thinking of all the early like pre World War 1 stuff we lose if Browning isn't there. So like the arch World War 1 doesn't happen cuz there's no Browning pistol to start it with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh brutal. Yes. Yep, that was it. That was the only <laughs> That
1: was the only reason World War 1 started is John Browning invented a pistol. <laughs> oh, that's a take.
0: before um i also want to say before we move now on to would world war one have ever happened if winchester didn't happen um is is i feel like mason mason i feel like because he does have success with colt's 1873 separate from winchester i feel like mason becomes the yeah he probably becomes
1: a more prominent u.s designer if if Browning doesn't get discovered because he had a lot of good stuff in the late 1890s that just didn't get picked up
0: yeah, partly I mean, do, because he a... was always
1: working on Browning's designs to turn them into. Yeah. Mass uh,
0: well, cause we do don't, don't we have something that's toggle lock? Like we, I yeah. Yeah. Mason
1: made a toggle lock. He made a bunch of toggle lock stuff or toggle delay is probably more accurate, but he made a bunch of it.
0: And was that pre during post when Borshart was with Winchester, which, Oh uh, my God, Borshart was with Winchester. <laughs> Ah!
1: I think in this timeline, I've, I've resigned Borschart to only doing sewing machines. He's building some weird toggle delay sewing machine.
0: Only. <laughs> so, and, and you, but if Mason predated Borschart, then we don't need.
1: No. Borchardt. So Mason's toggle delay stuff post dates time at Winchester.
0: Okay. Okay. But
1: there's, I mean, there's a big enough gap that they, there's, it's hard to say there's any relation design wise. So, they yeah, might so, have known each other, like waving in the hallway, like hey, buddy. Actually, uh, I don't even know if they were there at the same time. That's speculative. Oh, wow. So, speculation what speculation struck what, from the record?
0: What gun wins the West?
1: Uh, the trapdoor, still.
0: Oof, woof, <laughs> <laughs> or the sharp seven shot repeater.
1: Yes, the sharps, the Spencer. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Oh, Spencer exists, he doesn't get run out of town yeah. by Winchester. So, the lever action. In the we west gotta side.
0: like also continue to preface. I do know that a sharps is not a seven shot repeater. <laughs> oh, this right. Is an That's a little inside that, inside. That goes deep, that runs deep. Um, but yeah, so Spencer doesn't get run out. So I guess yeah, we do have a yeah,
1: he's just making seven shot external, you know, they're not as fast as Winchester, but
0: we can't even go. We 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 haven't even touched on Evans and Adirondack no. and nope. all Bannerman and all Adirondack Bresley. still
1: fails, I'm sure of that. <laughs> It's terrible. It's such a bad design.
0: But I feel like the Evans.
1: Oh, the Evans. That's that thing. The might Evans
0: have becomes the lever action. <laughs> yeah.
1: And st- oh man. Instead of talking about fourteen shot repeaters in the American West, we're suddenly talking about thirty six <laughs> shot repeaters all over the place.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Because if Winchester's not there to be like this mine, I'll take this. I'll take right. this. I'll take this. I think Evans. I got. Because I think you know. Because. Winchester may cease to exist, but the lever action doesn't cease Correct. to exist. The lever action we're...
1: still continues.
0: Yeah, because we're living in a world where Smith and Wesson does something with the lever action, not where they just kind of.
1: And maybe like... in this timeline, they they keep the rifle, but since we've decided that they would be so enth- they'd be focused on the revolvers. They're not so aggressive about buying up all these competitor companies that emerge, and so yeah, Evans I don't think and Smith others... and
0: Wesson's here to buy to buy everybody.
1: So they're they are there, to because they're sort of gun designers first, whereas Winchester is clearly always pitched as the business guy first. So I could see that I could buy that timeline.
0: We also haven't talked about all the ammo that wouldn't have been invented.
1: Right. Here's the other problem. If World War One does still start when the dude shoots the Archduke with, let's say, a a man liquor pistol instead of a Browning.
0: Ooh, a Mauser, Danny. Your favorite?
1: Yeah, C90. He it's done with the C96. Could he even afford it, the C96? I don't know. Um, so the Archduke is shot with the C96 so instead funny. of a Browning. World War One kicks off. Who gives? Who supplies the Allies with ammunition? I mean, the rifles. I don't think is the critical factor, but like most of the major powers in World War One were at one point or another very short of ammunition, and Winchester made absolute boatloads of it like i think over a billion rounds for the allies and a a ton of like artillery shells and casings and all that kind of stuff so like do the allies then run out of ammo because there's no big manufacturer for ammunition or does somebody else fill the role
0: well i mean and let's not even get into. well i would say that if winchester's not there to invent all those types of cartridges that smith and wesson would probably have continued on their pathway of metallic cartridges i mean i guess
1: we're really coming up with two sort of versions of this timeline one is smith and wesson basically does everything that winchester would have done with the lever action and business the second being everything's changed and we've just unexisted like 10 different companies and people
0: yeah (laughs) um oh man yeah, World War One would have been interesting.
1: And then we don't have the A5, and then we don't have the 1911, and then we don't have the BAR.
0: Well, we don't have the 1911. Well, th- this is also in the timeline where Browning never becomes relevant. Right,
1: he's just making single-shot rifles like Harry Pope and George Shock and those guys.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's he's just off doing weird shoots and stuff with his buddies. In Utah.
0: Uh, well, and then that uh, no Winchester allows Olin to go unfettered. Yeah, UMC and USCCO.
1: Yeah, USCCO probably so they have more of a market share on the ammo, so they probably supply all the ammo because they they just fill the ammo gaps that Winchester leaves. Well, I think um,
0: Remington probably.
1: Yeah, probably, um, yeah, Union, Union Metallic and Peters and USCCO probably all do that. So, so who still does ammo Olin buy?
0: That. Who does Olin buy?
1: Probably, I'm going to say USCCO. U.S. Cartridge Company, because oh they were God. struggling a little bit turn of the century. And so maybe they were the ones that like if expand would, their plant allow, too much, yeah. and put too much investment in and can't pay for it in the 30s and get bought out by Olin.
0: Yeah. And now and then, you know, today it would be instead of Winchester Ammo, it would be USCCO.
1: Oh, here's a here's a take on the timeline. <laughs> instead of the M1 carbine, everybody gets the Smith & Wesson light rifle. <laughs> That's, that's, a, pretty good, but- that's a rough change. That's a rough, uh, no offense to Smith and Wesson folks listening to that. That's a rough change.
0: Well, and so hey, let me make sure that I'm tracking your thought process on why the M1 carving wouldn't happen. And that's because Jonathan Ed Browning, who is you know now in obscurity because of his brother because he's kind of in obscurity even with his brother being famous
1: it's like the hawken brothers at that point they only made single shots right and there's like john browning makes the most of them and then like ed has made one so like in a hundred years a collector is like looking for that one ed browning single shot target rifle
0: so Ed Browning develops yes. the you know semi-automatic um, rifle that Winchester adopts that then David Marshall Williams uh, works on. Um, and that has the the gas piston system that ultimately goes into the M1 carbine. So if David Marshall Williams, oh no. He's just still in jail.
1: He just stays in prison. <laughs>
0: yeah, He just stays in prison for every day, for forever. Um, so yeah, so you're right. So am I tracking that correctly? Because yeah, Ed, yeah, yeah. Ed wouldn't yeah. be important. So then there wouldn't be Ed's design to be There's adopted no by Winchester. And then, yeah.
1: There's no G30 to develop into the M1 carbine with Williams's gas system. And Smith & Wesson comes up with their not so great light rifle on their own and that's the only you know all the other light rifles that trial in the 40s like i guess you know maybe we use the maybe the army decides that the that the they're like this
0: heavy thompson right yeah
1: like the thompson or i mean because all the the army really the light rifle trials from what i've read is they're actually pretty dissatisfied with most everything that's submitted except for the winchester gun like there's a kind of second place, and then everybody else is like a distant third. So maybe they make do with a rising or something like that, but it's also possible that in this timeline it's the Smith and Wesson light rifle.
0: Uh for a long time, I I used to think the rising was Riesling. It's <laughs> like the why. <wine. laughs>
1: I really want to make a social media post now with like a bottle of riesling and a
0: Ryzen. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Shoot responsibly.
1: <laughs> oh man. Now we're definitely not getting sponsored. This episode was one attempt to us get sponsored and then immediately canceled.
0: But you know where I think that the world gets back on track? Where? With the with the development of the ar 15. And then Eugene,
1: Eugene Stoner saves saves it.
0: Well, it, and because Winchester is the one with like the greatest competitor to the AR-15 and the military trials, but they ultimately don't matter because they're like, oh yeah, no, like... <laughs> Fairchild is just going to throw money at this. So like they pull themselves out of the running, but so you don't have that level of competitor. And so I think because, you know, Winchester, I think they play an interesting role in that, but because Fairchild's so rich, you know, uh, Armalite, uh, you know, is a subsidiary of Fairchild. So like, they're so rich that they kind of make Winchester, you know, irrelevant-ish. I mean, I know Winchester's still relevant, Uh, as Olin and all that, all that fun stuff. I
1: mean, from like the, from the like really wild, you know, like firearms development relevancy, right? Like they're still developing things. They're still making things, but it's not the same level of, you know, hey, nobody's ever heard of a slide action before. Let's bring that to market. Like that's, that's changed.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, so what we're saying is things get
1: really wonky from like 1870 to 1950 and then go back to normal
0: so this now we should conclude on this which is the realization that i had after i made my post which is that if the winchester collection or the winchester doesn't exist then the winchester collection doesn't exist um Olin exists. Maybe it's the instead of the, the Winchester Arms Museum that becomes the Cody Firearms Museum. It's the USCCO Museum.
1: <laughs> it's the USCCO Museum somewhere in Connecticut. Instead just, of, and
0: it's just ammo. <laughs>
1: and it's just ammo. Well, the Smith & Wesson collection still exists. And they open. Well, now, of course, they open their museum in they they open the Museum of Lever Actions history in Tennessee is what happens. And you and I never exist.
0: Yes, because, I mean, ultimately, yes, there's a lot of companies that have collections over the years, um, but none of those companies ended up out here or out in Cody. So I write them off as finding us because unless you had, you know, because the reason that Cody ended up out here, <laughs> the reason the Winchester collection ended up in Cody is because John Olin, um oh, wait, I think I messed that up.
1: Well, Olin knew people out here, but yeah, like none of the other companies really ever had like the same desire for Yeah, they had their meeting their...
0: out here or something. Because I was about to say John Olin owned the TE Ranch, but that was Robert Woodruff.
1: Right. Woodruff and Olin knew each other. And I think-
0: Now we're just Olin... making up things.
1: Yeah, now we're just making it all up. But I think the point stands is that uh, unless Smith & Wesson decides in like the 1950s that they're going to market their now lever action history that we're giving to them- then that really changes things because that's what Winchester did, and that's why there was a big push to like partner with the center of the, West. you know, like the first project that Olin did with the center was uh, like a a uh, the Buffalo Bill rifles. So those like that partnership changes drastically, and then because there's no other real firearms companies like sort of courting the center of the West to to tell that Western history does it ever come out here? It's just the Buffalo Bill Museum Sands Cody Firearms Museum.
0: Well, and so we we mentioned, someone mentioned that you'd be still a fireman. Um, And I said I'd be an orthopedic surgeon, but that's not true because I had decided to study firearms before I even knew the Cody Firearms Museum existed. So I think for me, I would have ended up- You would curate
1: um, the Smith & Wesson collection wherever it ended up. I don't
0: think so. I think, so like, you know, I was doing research in the Smithsonian's collection and the plan all along was that I was going to go out to Cody for six months. And then I was, after I graduated grad school, and then I was going to come back to the Smithsonian and um, we were going to have magically found money for me (laughs) to (laughs) to be the assistant curator. That was the goal. Um, Magically found money in that system um, to, to bring me on full time. And so I think that I would, Either have been two things. I would have either have, they would have found that good money for me and I would have been the assistant and I would have been the curator. And there would actually be a curator of the Smithsonian uh, firearms collection to this day. Or, I would have ended up like everybody else at the Smithsonian, which I would have gone in, I would have become a contractor. And then I would have gone into contractor obscurity, which if you're not from, I think we've talked about this, but basically at the Smithsonian, um, you know, most of their employees are contractors and contractors get bumped around um, no matter, like in spite of their discipline or they used to be. So even though I studied guns, like, you know, if there was no money, if that contractor money was up, then they might move me into buttons, you know, so I could have, been like um oh, i'll do this one of the contractors in the military history department ended up working with like the muppets like the the muppet collections and stuff like so like i could just be like not even in guns and maybe then my life would be better <laughs>
1: no here i got it i i have it <laughs> i'd have what happens to ashley she goes back to the Smithsonian gets her contractor gig and much like the Brownings she they share the same fate she goes into her successful but not nearly widely as known role curating instead of single shot rifles it's um sewing machines and she has a small podcast where her dedicated listeners listen to her talk about obscure sewing machine history by people like hugo borchardt
0: um because i wouldn't have met mark because i met mark at the museum and uh honestly based on the past year and a half (laughs) i'm
1: kind of into it
0: Kind of, kind of into it. I mean, (laughs) Mark, the Mark part would suck, but you know, no one would be calling me a dummy.
1: Nobody called,
0: and I for sure, for sure, stay politically in that realm, the realm that. Yeah, I mean,
1: you. I think. There's no reason for you to spend a lot of time then in Wyoming. You stay very East Coast.
0: Oh yeah, I stay very East Coast. I have my my hat. I'm not going to say the word. (laughs) But it's it's pink. (laughs) (laughs) I think very much I stay with who I am and and maybe I stay with my college boyfriend.
1: I I, This timeline is getting rapidly worse.
0: (laughs) I don't know, man. <laughs> Obscurity sounds pretty nice to me now. <laughs> and yeah. you're a fireman, so you're off saving lives.
1: That part is as long as I'm driving. Driving's the fun part. I just my other shot. My shot take, um, was that despite living in a very small town, Vegas driving is the most. It's my favorite kind of driving.
0: Danny becomes the principal of.
1: His, I overcome my my inability to substitute teach and become a. He principal.
0: can't get a job, so instead of going to graduate school, he he uses his white male <laughs> privilege and nepotism <laughs> to run the high school that he wasn't even valedictorian of. There it is, <laughs> and he eats squirrel.
1: <laughs> this this whole ending is really relying on a lot of people having listened to like the last. Five episodes.
0: <laughs> well, they haven't even heard the one because we. Yeah, that's heard. true.
1: They haven't even heard the one. Oh man.
0: <laughs> oh my god, my face is like sore from laughing. <laughs> all right. Well,
1: that's the timeline of all the things that happened. If Smith and Wesson just keep their patent for an extra year.
0: Oh man, that's it's a lot of things. I kind of dug this. Like I feel like we should do this again. Like they.
1: What else can what, we have to find something else to. Oh, through.
0: I mean, we could probably do a ton of things.
1: Wait, does that mean that um, those two kids find their real dad named Maxim?
0: I don't think that those timelines intersect.
1: <laughs> I'm choosing to believe they do. Also, that's another one where our listeners would have had to listen. a real The listeners of this episode would. That's a very far back reference to the podcast.
0: Yes. Uh, in 10 seconds or less. There's this weird conspiracy theory that Hiram Stevens Maxim, like, uh, created a new identity, um, into Hiram Stevens Maxim when he invented the machine gun. Cause there's this weird, obscure kind of machine gun that was invented before then. And there were two kids that were convinced that Hiram Stevens Maxim was actually their father, um, uh, who, to the point them. of chasing
1: him down at a train station, they
0: chase him down at a train station. And they were like, Papa. And he was like, he was like, no. <laughs>
1: easily the best conspiracy theory
0: like a hundred percent and the royal armories i think actually did like an interview with that family and they're still convinced amazing <laughs> love it we will be back
1: we will be back <laughs> we In have not some timeline we don't even know
0: yeah <laughs> we'll be talking about fire and muppets <laughs> Star how starburst survived fires oh god that's another reference that nobody's gonna get because <laughs> this episode's gonna air before we you got end. all
1: these new people attracted to the podcast because of your post to instagram and now they're just going to be really confused
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> bye
1: see ya mm-hmm.